Good morning and good evening, Lisa. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks, Mark. How are you doing? Excellent. I'm okay, thank you. We are, I think we're six weeks now into lockdown. It's like prison sentence over there, isn't it? Like week six lockdown. Yes, it does. <laughs> Big brother or whatever you want to call it. But it's, it, you know, everyone's, everyone's coping. So, Lisa, we've got together today just to have a quick chat. God, it sounds like we're going to a funeral. We've gathered here today. We have gathered <laughs> ourselves here today to talk about um, pressure. Uh, pressure of productivity and how we attack it. But first of all, let's have a quick catch up. How, uh, what have you been up to the last couple of weeks? Obviously going for walks um, regularly. Yeah, obviously um, regular exercising, not standing still. And I think even probably the last time we spoke last week about the podcast, I was stood outside panicking when a police car pulled yes. up outside. It <laughs> used, used to be people were worried about dealing drugs. Now it's like, oh, no, I'm standing still. I just want to go for a jog. Um, so it's sort of um, a lot of out and about, a lot of getting your steps in while listening to podcasts, while making notes out and about. Um, so I, like, I've still got projects going on. It just feels a bit like a never ending. It's a bit Groundhog Day at the moment over here. Um, and I've heard it's probably tougher. It's easier here than it is in the, U- in the UK, I've heard as well, isn't it, Mark? Yeah, it is. I mean, things, we're, like I said, we're into week six now of lockdown and a lot of countries now are talking and you're hearing the news about sort of phasing back in normality in some way. Um, how that looks, no one really knows just yet. But, you know, allowing people to go out a little for a bit, a bit longer, um, certain types of shops are able to open. Um, here in the UK, we still haven't defined what that sort of phasing in is going to look like just yet. I think Boris Johnson, uh, Prime Minister, is sort of still yet to determine how that's going to look. But I know that other countries like Australia are starting to uh, um, relax somewhat some of their sort of lockdown yeah we're we're, so, we're certainly becoming more aware of it i mean look i'm privileged and grateful that we're in the top five countries that seem to be on top of the virus at the moment and you know i've been actually looking at some of the top five include taiwan and germany as well both of which come at it with very different strategies so germany is very much about mass testing and taiwan is about everyone actually doing what they're told um so maybe australia's just winging it but we're doing a decent job at it at the moment <laughs> um so I'm, I'm very very lucky about that um but obviously you know my roots are back in england so hearing how bad it is over there I think we're faring quite well, if I'm honest. I think the NHS are doing a superb job. There's been a sort of um, mass love for the NHS. In fact, um, 11 o'clock here, there's a minute silence um, being adhered to across the country in the name of the NHS and those people who have lost their lives so far to COVID. Um, So, you know, as a country, we're we're doing quite well. We we can certainly see from the numbers that are being reported that sort of everything's improving and they talk about the flattening of the curves and all the rest of it. I think that's it's happening here. As, you know, not quite to the extent that it is in Australia, but it certainly is, is happening and things are improving and people are looking forward to somehow some type of normality coming back to their own lives. So, you know, people are trying to remain positive um, whilst also trying to adhere to the government guidelines of what we can and what we can't do. And that's a challenging thing, isn't it? Like, how much do you listen to governments? And at the end of the day, they're the ones that are telling you not to go out of your house. And I'm amazed there's not be any riots or rebellions against that. Well, I, I do hear a lot of people suggesting sort of how long will the public adhere to the government guidelines until the frustration topples over and they, you know what, we've got to get out. So we're starting to hear signs, obviously, that we, we, we will be allowed out soon. Um, so people are starting to sort of feel less confined. It doesn't help things, you know, a little bit. We are, we are still stuck at home. We are still stuck with, you know, in some cases... Um, you know, not happy environments. If you're stuck in a house with lots of other people and uh, <laughs> you don't get on with those people, it must be bloody hard. <laughs> it is. Uh, yeah, it must be too. Um, there are people in terrible positions, aren't there? And my heart goes out to anyone who is stuck indoors or doesn't have a garden or, I mean, I don't have a garden, but I at least can walk outside in my apartment at the moment. Um, so, yeah, there's... Well, I know that you've been doing some... You've been able to get out and do some great work. Well, I'm getting in my 15,000 plus steps a day. And, and it's great. And look, it's great time for listening to podcasts for me. Um, by that token, we're about to talk about being the pressure of productivity. So let's not suggest that everyone should be doing that. Um, just because it's right for me, it doesn't mean it's right for the next person. I guess the, the focus today is feeling the pressure of productivity. Um, have you got any sort of off-the-chest thoughts on on the subject? Well, I think... They, they... 
Key, the key thing for everyone at the minute is, and everyone's in different stages of it. Some people are grieving they've lost their jobs. Some people have lost loved ones. Some people are having to cope with a whole new working from home. Whether you've got kids around or not, that's different. Um, but there was quite a lot of... I listened to a really good podcast, actually, the other day. Um, from It's an HBR idea cast. And there's actually a guy who was talking as a former surgeon of the US Health, Vivek Murphy. And he was talking about loneliness and how this whole situation is shining a light on loneliness. But it's also opens up, I think, different... Like, people have felt pressure in the workplace for a long time. Now it's taken that. It's thrown you into the middle of a pandemic, which is something none of us or a lot of us that are alive now have never seen or experienced before. And you've also got to be productive in the middle of all this chaos. Um, and I think, for me, like, I know both of us, we've talked about the word meltdown in the last podcast. But it's more about, at the minute, no one quite knows when this is going to end. And... Therefore, at first, it's the all of the excitement of I get to work from home. Now we're feeling pressure to you're hopping on Zoom calls, you're trying to learn a new skill, you're finding out how to cook from scratch. And there's all these different kind of pressures. Um, and everyone's diff- everyone's pressure will be different and everyone's coping mechanism will be different. Um, so like, how, how do you find it? Cause you're, I mean, we're both in a similar position in that we, we generate our own work, I suppose, or we're used to working remotely and setting our own goals and deadlines, but obviously you've been trapped inside with a family. Yeah, I think I, I first of all, I was going to bring in a, a short, uh, analogy, which is again, sport related. And the, the, the way I can liken this to, it's like you're setting off on a run. You don't quite know where you're heading to or how, how long you got to run for, how long it's going to be, and you, you can't set a pace and you can't form a race plan, but you just know you've got to keep running. And I think that's, that's what it feels like. So if you think, right, I'm going for a run, but I don't know where I'm going to go and how long it's going to take. So to a certain extent, the pressure is, you know, you've got to keep working and you've got to keep, keep keeping yourself busy somehow, but you just don't quite know what it's for and how long it's going to be for. And I think that's what, we're, what I'm feeling personally. That's a really great analogy. I love that. Like it's someone just going, just keep running, keep running, keep running. And then at some point, you're like, I need to stop for a breather and a Lucas aid. <laughs> yeah, I know. You sent me quite an interesting article of the day about, um, I think a lady called, I'm assuming it's a lady called Taylor Lorenz from New York Times articles to stop trying to be productive. And I just put out a very short quote and I'm sorry, Lisa, I'm going to jump on sort of jump on your chips just here. But um, she, there's a lady that she's interviewing um, she talks about the pressure and feeling the pressure and so she says it's everywhere um, it's in blog posts in social media in emails um, and where people are telling her you've got to use this time productively and as if she usually doesn't um, and then Taylor Tart sort of refers to um, the pressure and says in the midst of this global pandemic that's upended nearly every facet of modern life people are finding it harder and harder to get things done and again that's a little bit what about that sort of running analogy I think you, you you know you've got to run, but you just don't quite know how far. So how hard do you run? You know, it's a, yeah. it's a tricky one to get your head around. And I think there's also that these all of these terms and and um, kind of descriptive terms. Everyone's calling this the new normal. Well, that's an oxymoron in itself, isn't it? New and normal are very different things. Because <laughs> if it's new, you know, so there was quite um, the nice dictionary definitions of the new words we're losing throughout of it. But there's also that people are trying to be productive, but they're not quite sure what we're being productive for. Because at the end of this, it's not all going to be the same. It's not going to suddenly snap back to what it was like before it's going to change the way that we move the way that we connect the way that we even the way that we learn it's changing everything and and that's that's going to keep going so we don't know what we're being productive for and I don't know about you but even I've had days where you kind of get up and you get doing something and working on it and go but like what is actually the point of this now because it's it's redefined the goalposts like you said with your running no one can quite see um, you know there's an end there somewhere, but the end might be in a different location to when you started running because it's changing all the time. It's very true. And I, I think in, in terms of the types of pressure, actually, and uh, you, know, you've, you know you've got to be productive and the type of pressure that you're putting upon yourself. Um, I was reading the other day on an article talking about the types of pressure that you can have. And there's internal and external. So internal pressures about pushing yourself too hard or worrying about your own ability to meet others' expectations. And the external pressures are from the circumstances of people. So be it friends or family around you, uh, financial difficulties or family responsibilities. But everyone has varying levels of abilities for coping with each of those pressures. So if you have too much pressure, that's when you start to see the cracks appear. 
And I think we've got to be careful that we don't confuse pressure with stress. That makes sense. And they're quite, they're quite different. So I guess, um, I guess what I'm saying is pressure can be sort of a positive quality. So experience it, you can feel sort of the calm and control. Um, it's only when the pressure starts to build over too much that the sense of calm and order is replaced by feeling that you're feeling out of control. And that's when the stress starts to happen, if that makes sense. That's when you start to have a wholly negative effect. And I think as well, it's the type of pressure, isn't it? Like, I'm a bit like you and like, like I thrive under a deadline and I thrive under a certain amount of pressure and things. But it's when it's in one compartment. So at the minute, there's emotional, physical and mental pressure. And I, it's almost like all of those are colliding because you've got the, the physical pressure of, you know, like having deadlines or whatever. But then I don't know if you, um, Simon Sinek talks a lot about the infinite game um, and seeing an end and a goal and that's actually quite a really nice TED talk to listen to about that and it's because we can't see this end game we don't know which area to push in and there's pressure from an emotional point of view and a physical point of view and a mental thing altogether that you don't know where to start I suppose and you can go chasing around but this isn't normal <laughs> it's okay to not be normal it's a pretty damn amazing time to be creative but again there becomes that even from a creative point of view like you and I have been oh well I could do this and I could get going on this but then you see so many amazing creative people also doing exciting things and go oh no like I'm not doing that and we've become in this fractured industry that used to support each other and go yeah that's amazing that's great but we need to not feel guilty that we're not doing the same thing. Well a lot of that work and a lot of that sort of uh, great creativity has been done pre-pandemic if you like so now, we'll, we'll touch on it towards the end of this podcast, but I know we're talking about sort of brands and the messages they're having to put out there. And every brand now is having to rethink their strategies because right now, some of the messages that have been put out there aren't right and some are doing a really good job. Yeah, totally. And I think it's very much a case of, I've been um, watching a lot of Christo from the future, does quite a lot of work on the difference between branding and marketing. So there's a lot of brands that are going out there with a marketing department at the moment who haven't, no one's, no one's prepared for a pandemic. So, and because it's so quickly evolving, you haven't got time to consider what your message and everything is. So actually only the brands that have thought about their core values and they're sticking to them and have got that kind of rule book as this is who we are and this is what we do are, are doing a better job of it. Um, but otherwise, it's. I think the I think the marketing world's also in a little bit of a panic state too. Let's put something out there rather than nothing, or they've just gone super silent and quiet, which is a bit like us as pe as people as well. I think there's a lot of creative people out there. They're either just nutting down and getting on, or they're out there trying to be and do everything, and it's finding that balance to go. Look, this actually isn't don't think of it as something's completely changed the goalposts have changed the situation has changed but don't think of it as a you suddenly need to have it done quicker or you suddenly need to have it done slower just keep going and that's your whole running thing like just keep going you don't have to sprint now you can just keep going as you were and don't it's hard to block out all of that external noise of you should be doing this and you shouldn't be doing that it is. And I think it's trying to find a balance, you know, it's sort of, I think we're, we were talking earlier on about how would we do it? And what are our, sort of, what do we, how do we cope with these emotions of pressure? And I think I wrote down a couple of things here. And I think for me, I, I, it's my top three would be sort of seeing if you can create an ideal vision based on your own core values. And then second one would be to make a plan and then stick to that plan. Uh, and then if the pressure is becoming too much, asking for help from those around you in some way or sharing your thoughts um, just to sort of release that burden somewhat. But yeah, it's a tricky one trying to cope with pressure and how everyone's going to cope in a slightly different way. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I, look, I'm glad that I started doing the whole um, core values and stuff before this kicked off and started doing a few workshops and stuff as to kind of defining who you are, because it's made me feel a bit more OK about all of this and, and where your compromises and stuff are. But yeah, like it's been the last two weeks since we lasted a podcast have probably been too more difficult than it has been so far more because of this whole new normal and I, I I can't say I'm necessarily I did start to feel the pressure but I've just created a whole my I've got a top five strategies for coping in terms of I was someone who'd go I feel like I should be doing something all of the time and I'm not very, also not very good at having spare time to like I don't know like yeah like or just this 
And it doesn't have to be busy in terms of work stuff. It's just sort of, it reached a point and it's getting, it's winter, it's getting nearer to winter here in Australia. So at like six o'clock, it's dark. Now, six o'clock, normally you'd be leaving the studio and you might go, right, I'll go to the gym and then I might do some more work or cook dinner and all of those things. And it's like six o'clock, it's dark. You've been working from home all day or like I've been walking quite a lot as well. So I've been going out in the day and then managing, I can find, you know, you can manage our workload whenever we want, I suppose. And so for me, it's been more the, it feels like winter now. And it's the evenings that kind of kill me to go, oh, what am I going to do? Because I feel like I should be doing more work right through the night. Where the reality is you don't, you don't need to. I do work better at night. And I've got actually a couple of people that I'm working with that are in America. Um, so I've actually been doing quite a few. I've got another call after this with someone in New York. So I've actually been balancing the timescales some of it's worked out quite well for me because at you know, nine o'clock at night I'm probably doing some of the best work that I've done whereas if you ask me at seven in the morning it's not a good time for me if I have to I can but it's not ideal and I think that was one of my coping strategies it was like manage your time and so my number one was to take control of notifications like I constantly get and do you want to join this zoom group do you want to be part of this and because you're at home and you don't have an awful lot in terms of distraction wise, you've not walking to places or whatever, you might have your phone at the side of you while you're working and it's got notifications on it. So for me, it was actually just leave the phone somewhere else. And just if you want to sit there and like draw out some logos or design some logos or quite often, I've been doing quite a lot of writing recently, ready to um, put some blogs on Medium because it's just something that I really enjoy. And it also it's to build um, profiles and just knowledge in terms of the trends for clients. So I've been doing lots of writing, but I have to force myself to put the phone somewhere else and to just have a notebook. And I can look at the computer perhaps for articles and things like that and reference points. But otherwise, I really do need to be disciplined with myself to just sit there. And when I do it, I really enjoy it. Once I get into it and I lose time doing it, but switching off notifications was one of my simple things. Cut out the external noise a little bit and all of the news reports. Just turn off your notifications. But I'm also not too strict on myself. Like if I don't get up and get going until 10 in the morning, that's okay. Like we need to, my number three on the list was to say goodbye to the nine to five for now. Or nine to, well, I don't know, we're creative people. It's normally like nine till 10, isn't it? Nine till eight o'clock at night in a studio. But to just go, look, there isn't like a nine to five right now. And if you have days where you go, I can't focus on this, that's okay. As long as you're hitting your deadlines or, you know, for some of us, the deadlines are a bit infinite at the moment. So as long as you, you know, have, set yourself miniature goals, make lists of little lists. Because it is a big control freak thing. Like we have to have something to control, focus on what you can control. And even if you have a list of little things that you do get done, but don't make that relative to what anyone else is telling you you should get done. It's harder. It's harder if you've got a boss probably um, going, I need this. I need this. What have you, what have you been doing? I think for, in workplaces, people have for years been saying, you know, they've, they've got someone to answer to, to say, what are you doing for every minute of your time? Luckily in the creative industries or the side that we play in the creative industries, there's a, ideas can come at any time. So as long as you're on deadline, you're on target and you're on goals, no one's saying, what are you doing with every second of your day? Um, so I guess I've got, I've got take control of your notifications. I've got to be realistic with your to-do list. Don't also set yourself up for failure. Like if all of your day, if we were saying the other day, the biggest challenge of my day right now is can I undo a bag to put beans in, in the supermarket without licking my fingers? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's very true. These are the new normals. Like you start to, it used to be like you panic and stuff about other things like now it's like how do I open the grocery bag without licking my fingers but as a creative person that's a different challenge to what you've had to solve so you're actually you're still doing things that's still a a way of solving a problem that didn't exist before so don't think that everything that you're doing that's outside of the normal it's still you're still adapting to change and that's good so then the whole say goodbye to the nine to five is my number three. Four is change your surroundings. So yes, I go out running or walking loads more than I probably ever have done. I never used to run outside. I used to run on a treadmill. Now I can run outside. I like to be outdoors. Some people don't. And I know we're meant to stay in apart from when you're exercising, but we can exercise eight hours a day here as long as we take keep two, two meters apart. Um, so it's just, and, and look, everyone seems to be going by the rule, thankfully. So no one is, um, there are always some, but 
change your surroundings even if like I've just spoken to you and we've had a bit of a chat and you're in a different room in your house (laughs) to where you were the day before so change creative people change your surroundings see where you can fit your laptop or your desktop Um, and the other one I've got is less is more approach on social media I love Instagram I love social media but it does get too much if people are constantly seeing you're online on Facebook they'll constantly be you're constantly then exposed to who's got like I've got friends who aren't in the creative industries some of which have, have kept their jobs and some haven't but you've constantly got this kind of internal band like this internal dialogue of people will see you online on Facebook they're working from home they are not disciplined enough to switch their notifications off so they'll message you oh I'm doing their and they're of what they're doing at work you feel pressure then because you're not doing work you're just looking at crap on line they're probably in a completely different occupation so don't we we fall into this comparing ourselves it's interesting talking about that actually and i've noticed that there there is certainly a lot less people on social media than there was let's say six weeks ago six seven weeks ago brands are communicating less and certainly because i think part of that is because the messages they don't quite know what to put out just yet and even people are because people's content is i guess not as varied so people are aware i don't want to i'm the same place as it was yesterday there's no new pictures i can put out maybe some new baking ideas i've just created or whatever it might be but people are communicating a little bit less i think via social media just because of the content is limited do you think that's because do you think that's because they've they were in a reactive state when all of this happened so they were kind of being emotive and they were being reactive be it a brand or be it a marketing team going, well, we've got to do something, or be it a person going, I feel this. Whereas now, it's it has become that, hate to use the word again, new normal, that people are starting to go, well, um, because this is normal and regular, I'll focus my energy elsewhere. Or, like, why do you think that is? Well, for many places, there's nothing new to report. You know, it's not like they're, they're not the new environment. They're not varying their circumstances. They can't vary their circumstances because they aren't stuck in a house or in, to some some people in an office. So there's very little for them to actually communicate about. Yeah, it's true. And that, um, certainly th- th- they perceive as of any interest. Yeah, it's true. And it's also whether or not that's interesting to share with the world. Like I actually, I like to take pictures. So for me also going out walking is just to take pictures. Whereas some people would go out to do that to create content. Like mine is just like a personal thing. So if that gets shared on Instagram, it's more a, this is me not being stuck indoors, I suppose. Whereas to some people, it's an intentional, I need to create to keep, almost to keep people watching but like you say if people like us are going well I need to switch a bit of the social media off and focus on the things that matter spend more time with my family I like to think it's people are doing it less because they're spending more time with their family or on the things that are important to them I know what you mean is and I think the other thing which we I think quite important to discuss is motivation and establishing what our own sources of motivation are um I don't know if you've heard of, heard of this, and it's something I'd heard of a long time ago. I think you know, sort of when I was doing awful lot of sort of team sports, is something called the Stockdale paradox, and it's why confronting reality is vital to succeeding. Or uh, I guess that's the, the meaning behind it. And essentially, there's a chap called uh, James Stockdale, who was a former U.S. vice president candidate back in the '90s, but he was a prisoner of war um, in Vietnam for about seven years or so. It's so a long period of time. But during this whole awful experience, um, he was captured and tortured repeatedly throughout his imprisonment. Uh, and he had no reason to believe that he was going to ever get out of this situation. So based with that sort of whole awful reality of his, his own method of survival was staying alive was to sort of embrace the harshness of the situation with the balance of optimism. And I guess that's what I'm suggesting here is what we have to try and do is we understand the circumstances we're in, but we've also got to try and be optimistic about it too. So um, what Stockdale was doing was hoping for the best whilst acknowledging and preparing for the worst. And what was interesting, the way he managed to do this was he was seeing other prisoners of war coming into the camp and they would come in and they'd be saying to themselves, it's okay, I'll be out by next week. The war will be over, so we'll be released and everything will be fine. Next week obviously came and the war continued. And so over a short period of time, these prisoners were being completely broken down to the point where they're becoming shivering wrecks so and Stockdale was managing to maintain his composure by understanding that okay the reality is I'm going to be here for quite some time but it will eventually be over and I think that's something we've all got to somehow manage ourselves 
yeah it it will change yeah it will change and it is transient and we spoke about it i think two podcasts ago didn't we like what are we doing to uh, we are to a degree we're optimists which really annoy really annoys some people and look we'll all we'll both have days like you and i said this week where we've wanted to kill some of the people around us and that's okay that's fine but in general it's not who you are and creative people generally do develop this sense of optimism that it's transient it's changing but the hardest thing comes from when everyone goes i don't know when this is going to end but it will end yeah it's not about being an optimist or even a pessimist it's about learning to somehow embrace both those feelings and like you say it's interesting to say that he did it by observing the people around him and i think that's what you can do a lot like almost you become the coping mechanism for the people around you right now so yes turn yourself off to a certain amount of social media and things but the things that the people that are immediately around you and one of the nicest things at the moment is this community spirit so you know i watched someone the other day and they were stood outside their parents house and they were talking to them through the window because you're not allowed to go within a certain distance and stuff um, and there's something really nice about like observing them makes you grateful about what you do have. And um, but we, only if we almost like there's a um, just to look up more often and see what's going on around you, and then you become less stuck in your own bubble, don't you? And I think I think that's quite a good. You don't feel as much pressure either then because you realise that everyone's battle is different. So it's fine that your battle is different to someone else's, and um, you shouldn't prejudge that kind of mental state for people. Yes, absolutely. And you're right, everyone's battle is different, everyone's everyone's pressure is different, and of course everyone's motivation is different too. And sort of what and I don't know about you, Lise, but I do notice you do start to think about what um what's important to you and what your own values are. And yeah, I think you spoke about your work on your personal values before we went into lockdown here, but you do start to question what your own values are even during this sort of this lockdown period and what's most important to you and you're finding that so spending time, more time with the family for example I know I spoke about this in the last podcast but it it does make you sort of understand that there are more important things sometimes than thinking solely about work and thinking about solely about um, what your income is and where, where, where your project's going to come from and I think that's what this sort of circumstance is allowing us to do and it, then you start to redefine what motivates you as a, as a human being to a certain extent. Even just realizing the things that kind of keep you happy through all of this change and all of this time, like we said, like it's not like for me, it's not all about like it's actually not about money at all. Like it sort of redefines to go, oh, but that's quite nice to see or that's quite exciting to see. Or even the little things that give you a smile and a laugh. Like there's quite a few um, there's a few Twitters that I follow and there's a really good few Instagrams that I follow. But I saw a post on Twitter earlier this week. There was a writer called Troy Johnson. Um, and his, his posts have gone through quarantine day by day. And day one of quarantine was, I'm going to meditate and do body weight training. And then day four, pours ice cream into the pasta. And it's just that kind of like, don't judge someone because of their reality. It's very true. And I, I guess going back to what I was talking about with mo- in terms of motivation, I don't know if you've heard of, the, heard of this before, but you've got, you've got intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. So extrinsic, extrinsic motivation is about you sort of earn rewards let's say medals accolades or social media likes whatever it may be um and then you've also got intrinsic which is what sort of um it's something that's personally rewarding to you and i think once you define whatever it is you're doing what motivates you if it's intrinsic or extrinsic that then allows you to then put some form of value on what it is you're about to be doing it's very much the same model that we use when when we do branding and stuff you do the intrinsics and the extrinsics in terms of a brand um, so yes, yeah, similar kind of model, but it's good to do that on yourself, isn't it? Almost define your own brand wheel um, or brand onion, depending on like, oh the God, they exist in so many different forms, don't they, in our industry. Like almost do it for you. And yeah, like it makes you realize like what's on the outside and what other people see is less important than what's on the inside. That's a great thing to do. Like all creative people do your own brand onion or brand wheel of intrinsics and extrinsics. Well, we've got plenty of time to do it now. Correctly. Well, you've got more weeks than we have. They're going to open us up in two more weeks. <laughs> We can go. We can. We can go. We can go to the beach from Friday. <laughs> well, I heard about that actually. I did see some articles this morning written about um, Australia. Obviously, 
releasing, I won't say releasing people, but allowing people to visit the beaches. How is that going to look? Uh, do you know what? Like, it's a, if I'm honest, and I might be um, slated for this, but it's a really stupid idea because they opened the beaches last week for a pocket of three hours. And these are the beaches that are the Bondi side. So I'm on the north side, as you know. And so on the south side of the bridge where Bondi and Randwick and Clovelly and all those beaches are, they opened the beaches for three hours and saw something like 12,000 people go to them in those three hours. Whereas the northern beaches, some of them have never technically been closed. And it's just a common sense. But obviously not everyone has a level of common sense. Um, But they do. Oh, look, from Friday, they're relaxing the social distancing in terms of you're allowed to go and visit people in their home as long as it's no more than two people. So it's not like house parties and things. And they're sort of giving people a little bit of flex. But the reason they can do that is because the science and the data and the statistics says that we can. We've testing so many people on any sort of symptom our cases are dropping we've we've we're lowering the curve so it's only because people have done what they're told that they can relax those laws and they're doing it so very gradually is there a suggestion that there's going to be a second wave because i know they talk about that here let's say potentially if people start to mix again that there's going to be a, another wave which is what they've seen in singapore isn't it right but um and i think um we're coming into flu season as well here so there's also the worry that people with flu, it will then cause a, you know, there will be more transmissions and then people will get flu. And then obviously the hospitals like you've seen in the UK can't cope with it. Um, So there are those kind of worries, but actually in terms of opening things up, it's put a different kind of pressure on people because people want things to be open, but they slowly got used to the fact that they're going to have to work from home, that some people have lost their jobs and it puts a different pressure to go, well, you've got to suddenly snap back to how it was before without realizing it's never going to be how it is before because the whole thing is changing. Our whole perception of touch has changed for a start and how we perceive things as long as each, as well as each different industry, you know, hospitality, airline industry. Um, but probably one of the most reality things, like I've been asking quite a lot of people, what's the first thing you can, you want to do when it does start? Not get, I hate to say the word normal because it's not normal yeah, anymore, is no, it? I know what you mean. Um, but, when things start to be opened or eased, when our restrictions are eased a bit, what's the first thing that you want to do? Like I was talking to my mum when we both went cinema. Stupid little thing. Like You can sit in and watch Netflix, but actually going to an actual cinema to watch a big screen movie and put yourself into something that's so surreal that's not real life. Like you can watch it on Netflix, but at the end of the day, it's in your own lounge or whatever, isn't it? So something like that. And then asking other people. I mean, there's a, there's a nice Instagram that I follow for good laughs. It's called Very British Problems. And you'll always see, I think I've sent a few of them to you, Mark, when the first thing that British people say, like, what are you going to do when pub? <laughs> That's it, <laughs> That's yes. The first thing everyone's going to do is get down the pub. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so all of those things, it's a really good little Instagram, um, even if you're not British, but perhaps it won't be as relevant if you're not. Um, so, you know, you've got to keep yourself going with like little things like that. It's put a different kind of pressure. Things opening and going back to normal, inverted commas, also puts a different amount of pressure on us. Yeah. They were funny enough talking about pubs. They are saying that it may very well be that for places like pubs and restaurants may not be able to open properly in, in the way they were beforehand until after Christmas. So that we're talking sort of obviously six, seven, eight months, which is a massive amount of time. And obviously a lot of those pubs would have shut up by then, but they won't be able to reopen. So yeah, it'd be really interesting to see how it all looks. They'd be bloody full as well. Imagine a number of people going to the pub and they, as soon as they reopen. Jesus. Well, do you know what the weirdest thing for me is? Because obviously as well, the football season as well will eventually start again, hopefully. And um, But I've been I've been going into the workspace as well, or I'll come in from a walk, and my mum is obviously stuck here at the moment, and she's been watching videos of Jurgen Klopp <laughs> on YouTube. So in some surreal universe, I come in from going for a 15,000-step hike over the bridge and back, listening to a podcast, making some notes, come in to find... Like my mum, who never used to be into football until about five years ago, watching rolling videos of Jurgen Klopp and Russell Brand. Like it's, this whole pandemic has turned my mum into one of the coolest people in the world. <laughs> so all of this is cha- like it's changing people. People are realizing things they never discovered about themselves. Um, and you know, like if you take away some of that pressure and take it as a learning curve, and I think you can learn in any way, shape or form, like watching a Taronga Zoo video that I shared with you earlier, like you just learn, you just learn different things as creatives. We learn in any different guise. It's not about sitting down nine to five at an office anyway. Um, It's probably harder for those people who do have to have that nine to five discipline, even when they're off and working from home. Um, So it's actually, there's some positive ways to cope. How have you, how have you been coping, Mark? 
Well, coping's been fine, actually. But I think what has been quite interesting is looking in terms of recent observations out there in the market, how brands have been talking and communicating what they've been up to. So what I wanted to do, Lisa, is to lighten the mood a little bit here and sort of um, talk about just a couple of things that might have captured our attention over the last sort of couple of weeks or so. Um, and I and I hate to use this word, and there are certain words that are coming out that have been used, overused, I think, the last few weeks, but pivoting and brands having to pivot or be agile and reevaluating their own sort of social strategies. Um, but looking at what brands are doing at the moment um, and seeing how they're coping uh, at this time. And I've, I've managed to gather a couple of examples. I know you have, Lise. Do you want to kick off on what, you, what you've come across? No, I think you should kick, you kick off this oh, one. Okay, okay, well... <laughs> I think the first one, which from a designer's perspective, is some we often look and admire big brands and how they communicate because we know their budget is often quite large and they spend a lot of money and effort into putting time and effort into their strategies and their looks and their feels and their brand message. But um, And I think I saw you'd noted it on it recently is the Cadbury's uh, Dairy Milk rebrand, um, something that Bulletproof have put together. Really good work, good work. And it's come at a time when people want to see a little bit of non-pandemic related branding the brand message they're getting out there doesn't necessarily have to uh, portray any message around corona or anything like that but the last rebrand for it was done in 2013 and so without going to too much detail they've done a bit of reworking around the brand logo sort of redrawn the pouring milk glasses they've realigned the the copy uh, on the front of pack um, the Cadbury's brand mark has been sort of tweaked slightly, so it's now on a sort of straight line. It, it a lot of it harks back to its sort of its heritage, which I always think is quite nice. And brands focus on their sort of fundamental heritage cues, but they've man, you know they've maintained the key key assets, so the sort of the strong purple. Um, I just think the overall uh, look and feel looks fantastic. It's a really nice one. I had that on my list as well, actually, to go look to take you away from all of the um, pandemic-based stuff then it's actually really nice to see a brand using this time to still go with, and everything else is cancelled. So it's actually really nice to see a brand that's kept going and stayed true to its core beliefs. They've done it simpler, cleaner, better, kind of just reestablished who they are. Like I think, like you say, like the whole touches that they've used, the redrawing of the um, milk glass and everything like it's just been really cleverly done and cleverly executed and when everyone else is going oh no we can't do this now we can't launch this now it's actually really nice because so many brands are going on top and and hats off to them I think it's really nice to pay our tributes to the NHS and everything they're doing an amazing job but I just it becomes a little bit overload doesn't it it becomes a bit too um, saturation point if you see so much of it you start to switch off to it and it's been great to see finally people who support the health service and who are in the health service getting the credit they deserve but it just becomes when brands start to use it as we're also saying thanks to the nhs well like i didn't i didn't need to know that like you can do it yeah. quietly i know i mean there there are a few other examples actually I, i'll just run through these very quickly of um other uk brands specifically that i think of, are doing a, a very neat um, brand message out there um, which is quite timely given the fact that they've made it work to their advantage to a certain extent sort of uh, Yorkshire tea for example have got the taglines they're using the home office or working from home so people are sympathizing with the common challenges that people are facing um, with the new work environment working from home so I think it's quite cool um, so they've got little tweets that they put out there like is it okay to eat biscuits for lunch just asking for a friend or um, is a tea round for two people still a tea round? You know, there's a sort of suggestion that they're talking about the work environment. Really cleverly done. And just keeping it quite fun, which is fine from someone like a Yorkshire Tea because they're a friendly, fun, approachable brand. And PG Tips did something similar, actually. They did a sort of hashtag couples together. Um, it's just a nice way of bringing people together virtually um, and in a space where people obviously are still going to continue drinking tea. It's not that they're going to stop drinking. So um, just nice little brand messages do it via zoom can't you which well actually then is that adding to the fact that people feel pressure to sit there and have a cup of tea with their teammates when really they just rather keep it to themselves <laughs> well i think people miscommunicating you know, they want to they want to chat to each other they want to just still feel connected um and i think doing it with a cup of tea in the way they've done it so i think those two particular brands have done really well um and there are others sort of clearly Obviously, there's a lot of brands out there are talking about how much they're supporting NHS. I got Leon Foods here who set up um, hashtag feed the NHS, 
um, which is a big thing. So they sort of produce lots of free food and they'll give free meals to the NHS workers, which, you know, you can see the positivity in it. But I think to a certain extent, when you become too, we were talking about this before, actually, when the brand becomes, it's attempting to be too open about its altruism, if that's the right word, um, it becomes a little bit too kind of, you're trying too hard. You don't need to try that that hard. And I've got one other example here, Lise, and I'll sort of let you crack on with your examples here, but it was Ikea. And their tagline at the moment is conquer the great indoors, which I think was superb. And obviously the last few weeks, that's all people have been able to do is stay indoors. So the very fact they're sort of suggesting that you can still keep their brand message is still clear. It's, um, Ikea is closed, isn't it, where you are? It is, but they still do um, deliveries. So people can still order online and have their product delivered to them. Well, here, IKEA is open. No way. <laughs> and um, yeah, IKEA is and, and um, Bunnings, which is like your B&Q, are still open. So IKEA is open. And I actually had a friend who went to IKEA to try and went to go to IKEA at the weekend and gave up. Um, just because he said he said like IKEA were doing all they could but people are just stupid because once they're in the door you can might only able to have 100 people in at a time so people queue and one in one out kind of rule but once they're in there there's no control over to the fact that people don't keep out of each other's way well they stop and pause don't they the idea behind an IKEA store is people browse and people browse at different speeds people stop look at stuff and so maintaining sort of social distancing in an environment like that is pretty much impossible so i'm surprised that they managed to stay open throughout that time and it's a it's a bit like superstores or, or grocery stores at the moment <clears throat> doing the one one out and the one-way aisles i find that a little bit odd because i know for me as a shopper i go up and down aisles all the time i go backwards i don't know where the hell i'm going half the time but you generally but you generally know where you're going and what you want and you pick it up and get out of there i imagine so i don't know if you saw the little there was quite a sexist comment by the um is it the prime minister or someone in japan this week that said if you want to get things done properly and professionally during this pandemic send a man to do the shopping <laughs> that is brilliant and it was so it was so it was so wrong but yet there were so many people who probably sat at home and went, oh, yeah, I suppose so. Because we've all stood there recently in those aisles and you want to get a tin of beans off the shelf, but someone else is near the shelf. So you don't want to invade their space. And it becomes that whole, again, it's that finding different ways to solve problems takes a whole new life. Well, it's even worse is they pick, pick a product off the shelf, then put it back again. Then there's no way you want to touch it. So you say, right, I'll go for the one behind that one. And it's dangerous. I mean, I had, we had, had Dave Lewis, who's the CEO of Tesco's. I think he's a CEO, this morning talking about how consumers' habits have changed again. So, for example, you think about a few months back, uh, consumers have been talking about using less plastic in stores and not using plastic bags, having packaged goods reduced. Well, now, of course, people's, people's attitudes have changed slightly and they now want packaged goods to be sealed as best they can. So fresh fruits and stuff, I mean, for example, broccoli, they want sealed broccoli as opposed to open uh, broccoli florets in store. And you can understand why people obviously don't want to sort of, I don't want people coughing on that product before I pick it up or whatever it might be. So it's the same with take takeaway and paper cups as well. Um, so some of the brands that we've seen innovative things from here, so Guzman's and Gomez, which I'm not sure if you have in England actually. I think I think it's a very much an Australian thing, as to how they're innovating in terms of their takeaway orders and making sure that everything is you know recyclable and that kind of stuff. So it's sort of no one at the moment, no one can take a keep cup anywhere. Whereas for the last two years, we've been encouraging people to take your own cup. But also, why, why is the, that, Liz? Why can't you use your own? Oh, I suppose if it's because you can't. Yeah, off. exactly. So there's just that cross contamination. They don't want the barista to touch your cup because they don't know where it's been. So just as a risk, most places will no longer take keep cups and things like that. So we're adding to it by having a lot more waste. But then for the past two or three years, companies have been working very hard on sustainability to make sure at least the takeaway stuff they produce is recyclable or it is biodegradable. So Guzman's and Gomez, all of their stuff is biodegradable. Um, so I think, to be honest, almost like the last two years has set us up for now. So it's not perfect. We're using more takeaway stuff, but at least now, if it had been three years ago, everything probably would have been in polystyrene. We'd have probably been absolutely <laughs> trashing the planet to some sort of unknown level by having takeaway. I guess the other interesting fact is I don't know whether you're having a lot of the, um, I don't know what you'd use over here, but the refuse tips uh, and sort of rubbish dumps, they're closed. So people can't, um, they have their weekly bin collections happening, but people, if you've got bigger 
garden waste or bigger collections of waste they're not being collected and everyone's doing diy as well aren't you like it's a time to do lots of stuff at home you can but a lot of the diy stores here aren't open some are sort of have limited access um so it's been i mean i've wanted to do on a personal level do stuff in the garden here up in in nottingham but i can't um because i can't get access to any of the paints i need so it's really frustrating because the weather's been great and i've got the time and i don't have the can't get the um the materials to do the work and need doing but it's a it's an amazing how you find the tools through other things in your house like i can't tell you the amount of times you go we haven't got a whisk have you no but you can use a fork i haven't got an orange cuticle stick to push on my nails use a chopstick so all like different ways that you're finding to use random things in your house <laughs> survive and adapt survive and exactly adapt, like we went and bought some plants the other day so at least you can do some like make some herbs and make a herb garden don't have anything to put them on found a milk crate to put them on so just this random things <laughs> What about soil, though, Liz? Where are you getting soil from? Uh, um, places are open, Mark. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, this is it. Sorry, we've it's so different. Of course, we here everything's been shut completely. Yeah. Oh, shut, even so even Aldi has to... had um, obviously jumping on the bandwagon there. Aldi has had their specials of the week has been gardening stuff. So <laughs> you you can't beat um, someone. But again, that's you could argue that's someone jumping on the trend. But actually, it's just being reactive. I can't tell you the amount of things. It's Mother's Day here in in a week's time. All stores have got coloring books as ideas for mums for Mother's Day. So they've actually, yeah, just things that people can and craft kits and stuff, which I know. Perhaps people would have done years ago, but it's amazing how um, even supermarkets here have tailored their stock to be more things that people can do to occupy their time. They've they've realized that without doing it as in your face as a brand would do, because um, there's quite a lot of brands here that have come under criticism for the way they've approached it, Telstra and stuff like that, to kind of almost make money out of people in this crisis. In what respect? Uh, what, just in, in how, terms how of how they're that? offering to offset your costs or... Um, encouraging people if you've got Netflix from home buy into us sign up for 12 months and they've sort of been criticized by going we will hold your payments for the first 12 months which yeah that's great but you still got to pay it um, so almost get, getting the getting society into debt a little bit I suppose yeah it's going to happen I think we spoke about it when we were sort of just off air at the start about um, there are lots of grants available for people, um, not necessarily loans, but we do know in the long term we're all going to have to pay those back anyway through our own taxes. So whatever happens uh, and however people are being assisted and helped out right now, the, the country is going to have a, a degree of payback at some point. Um, frustrating when you know you're not getting much assistance from the government to know that we're going to have to help paying back when you didn't get any help in the first place. But that's my, my own personal <laughs> little gripe. But, you know, I think we're, everyone's coping in their own way and sort of sort of in brief summary for what we've spoken about here, Lise, I think in terms of the pressure of product, productivity, we've all got our own ways of coping um, and it's just mapping out our own best way to do it and cope. And, and now we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel to a certain extent. Um, there may be a second wave of corona coming through and we just don't know yet but we've got to try and maintain some form of a level level head and degree of positivity to make sure we can get through it and again i'm loving watching what brands are doing right now there, there was a degree of sort of brands going dark and not talking and now we're starting to see people communicating a bit more and there so there is light at the end of the tunnel for all of us i think and so even brands are starting to see it so fingers crossed our work picks up for all of us too it's definitely a good time to sit back and watch, isn't it? So actually from sitting back and watching what everyone else is doing and then kind of taking it all in and taking stock of it. And actually, like I've been working with quite a few startups um, and people in terms of looking at what's going on. And the exciting thing from Australia, I know we've talked, you spoke about a few of the bigger brands that are reacting to it. But I'm actually seeing really good things this side of the world from local businesses and smaller brands and how they're reacting. So there's actually a couple of like, there's a local cafe that puts up like nice humorous messages each day to go, oh, if someone in the queue is not keeping their distance, tell them to fark off. Oh, so yes. just little messages, <laughs> just, you know, just like, but they'll change that message every day. And so consequently people go to that cafe to get their takeaway or whatever. So there's actually been quite a lot of support through community support i've also working with someone who's looking at a platform so that you can buy vouchers in your local business that might be closed at the moment but to show to them when they open you're there to support them so i'm seeing some really good reactive things and if you're in i'm working with a few smaller companies that 
they're able to be reactive because they're smaller. So actually, Cadbury's have done really well in that they'd planned to rebrand and they've gone through with it. The bigger brands that are screwing it up are the ones that have to go through so many channels to get approval to do something that when they do it, it becomes reactive and it's not quite on message or on target. And there's a really good website on top of our ways to cope, like as well for me like actually just giving yourself a lift and something nice and fun to look at each day will really raise your mood so there's a really good website called trend watching um covid innovations um i think i might have sent you the link to it already and it's just called covidinnovations.com and it's by the um it's by the team behind trend watching which monitor trends and changes but it's there's over there's over 550 different innovations from around the world and they're segmenting it by industry and there's some that are relative to the pandemic and some that are just damn good ideas that have come out of it. Well, I think we spoke about this originally, didn't we, Liz? We spoke about um, this period is going to allow the entrepreneurs to sit back and really grow and flourish and churn out some fantastic thoughts on it, some of which will just potentially fall on deaf ears and just die a sort of a short death. Others of which will think, you know what, some fantastic creativity being uh, created at the moment. And it's weird for me, like brands could actually be really smart here in that they could see some of these innovations that are coming. And at the end of the day, nearly anyone can have a good idea, but actually seeing it, working on it, seeing it through to fruition and it being relevant to the world around you or the process of branding and all that kind of stuff. They're the smart ones. So at the minute, everyone is being innovative. And this COVID innovations is, you know, 550 different innovations. Some of them are great, but some of them are quite reactive innovations that when you go, okay, in five years from now. So actually, if you're smart and as a brand, rather than just shout your mouth off and just say, we're supporting this, that and the other, actually look at the innovations and how you can integrate them into your core values in your business i think it's it's just it's great to see some of the exciting things around there but there are some that you go it's just a gimmick <laughs> yeah or desperation i think to a certain extent as long as that brand message has got sort of context and a nice clear call to action i think it always uh, it'll be positive and i would definitely say to other people if you're looking for something that will make you smile look at the taronga zoo website they've got a live video cast of all their animals you and i have been sharing a few of them and just, li- just little things like that to go, look, if I'm feeling the pressure, I'm just going to look at something completely different or just just stop the pressure on you. Don't be so hard on yourself. Pat yourself on the back. We're going through a pandemic. Kind of a big deal. It will change. It will get better. Um, so just work out your own little ways to cope with it. Yeah, definitely. Love it, Lise. Absolutely love it. Um, I've... There's no point in sort of saying how we're going to get in touch with it because we're going to put it all in the show notes and we do it every, every time. But I'll, <laughs> Let's just uh, do that. Yes, I'll do it. I'm going to put all of our uh, contact details in the show notes so, and any links to any of the interesting stuff that Lisa and I have both spoken about, I'll also put in the show notes. Lisa, thank you very much. Um, I think we'll have another catch up in the next sort of week or so and find out where we're at. We may all be out and about. You could be on the beach or you could be surfing. I could be on the beach and you can probably be in prison yeah. by the sound of it. <laughs> There's every chance there will be. Every chance there will be. But um, no, Lisa, thank you very much for your time and we shall catch up in the next couple of weeks for sure. Thanks, Mark.